Are y'all cold? It was so cold this morning. I stepped out on my back deck. As soon as I made a step out there, the wood, I thought I was going to fall through. The, it went really loud, and I thought, my goodness, what is going on? With every step, it was just like, I just, I'm, you know we're supposed to get more snow? How great is that? Oh, boy. Oh, my. I am not, I become less and less a fan of snow with every flake that falls. My goodness. Heard that this morning, I'm like, no way. Jim Hedinger gave me the good news at the Farmer's Almanac, who's been relatively accurate this winter, tells us the biggest one is yet to come. Oh, great. Wow. Ah. If we're sending that to Washington, he says. Okay, very good. They can have it. I hear it's the globe's warm over there. Anyway. Um if I don't, if you guys pray for me, because I don't, I'm fighting to keep my voice good, and I got another service to do yet today. So, uh, hang in there. A um, lot of, lot of sickness going around. So just pray. Um, I want today's Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. Uh, you know, Valentine's Day. They believe it originated to commemorate the anniversary of the date that. St. Valentine was put to death. You want to know why he was put to death? Was because he chose to marry couples, um, to commit, you know, do, do marriage ceremonies, when the emperor of Rome made it illegal because he was fearful that guys would not go off to war if they had wives. And so St. Valentine began to perform marriage ceremonies, and even though it was illegal, they eventually put him to death for it as one of the legends surrounding St. Valentine's Day. Well, somebody's still trying to put uh, marriages to death and trying to put love to death. And um, unfortunately, uh, in a lot of ways, it's working, and that's why we are doing that marriage, uh, marriage seminar, that love and respect seminar in March. Um, We'd love to have your participation. I think it'll benefit you. How many of you, how many of you are married or plan to meet at some point in time? Or plan to help somebody who, who is having marriage problems, would like to be available to someone who's having marriage problems? We're, trying to, we're going to try and help along those lines. Today's Valentine's Day. You know what the top ways, according to the Census Bureau, here, the top ways Valentine's Day is celebrated? 65% of people exchange greeting cards to celebrate Valentine's Day. 44% have a date night. 38% give candy, 32% give flowers, and for those guys who can't seem to figure out what their life wants, 29% give gift cards. Over 180 million um, Valentine's, Day's, Valentine's Day cards are exchanged every year, making it the second most popular greeting card holiday of the year. 180 million cards will be exchanged today. Nearly 50%, <laughs> if you drove by the Walmart parking lot last night, you probably saw this, nearly 50% of those are bought in the last six days. So, uh, what is that? 90 million cards have been bought since, last, since we met here last and talked about Valentine's Day, talked about love. Um, let me read you a couple other things. Did you know there will be 2.2 million marriages in this nation this year? 2.2 million times people will walk the aisle way. That makes nearly 6,000 a day, according to the Census Bureau. 6,000 marriages a day. Wow. The average age, the median age for a man when he first gets married is 27.4 years. The average age of a woman when she gets married is 25.8. That has actually increased over the last three decades uh, by four years each. So we're getting married later and later and later. Men and women in northeastern states generally have a higher median age of marriage than the national average. In Massachusetts, women are married at the age of 27.4 years, and men are married at the, at, at the age of 29.1 for the first time. States like Utah, who have a little better family value system, they get married at 21.9 and 23.9 years, respectively. You know how much candy's produced? 
There are 1,271 places that produce chocolate products. These establishments, we'll we'll talk about helping the economy. Um, These establishments employ 43,000 people, almost 44,000 people. California is in bad, 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 bad financial distress. California leads a nation with these establishments. And Pennsylvania's second, I suppose that has to do with Hershey, with 122. So if you're giving candy today, you're helping the economy. Last week we talked about the amount of jewelry that's, that's sold in the, last year and the wor- one of the worst financial binds we ever had. $2.2 billion were spent on jewelry in the month of February alone last year. The jewelry industry is an $8.6 billion industry every year. Is that crazy? I want to tell you something. If you think that that's going to save your marriage, you are wrong. They don't produce enough chocolate. They don't make enough jewelry to help you fix your marriage. All right? Help you keep it on track to make it what it should be. Those are nice, and guys, you better make good on that. My wife told me she heard on the radio yesterday that, uh, that, that, that the average man, I don't know if this is in, in the ballpark you reside in or not, the average man spends roughly about $150 on Valentine's Day. The average woman spends roughly 70 bucks. I want to say something to you ladies. Where's the love? Where's the love? The best way, listen to me, the best way, the best way to celebrate the love that exists between people who, who are growing together is to take it to another level. It's to deepen your walk, deepen your connection, deepen the, the, the things that really matter. It, the gifts are nice and they help out, but the greatest thing you can do is decide as a spouse, as a husband, as a wife, you're going to go to a different level. That this Valentine's Day date thing or the gift you're giving is not just a token to say, please don't be mad at me. It is a token that says, you know what, I'm not done yet. I want this thing to keep going. I want it to keep growing. I want it to keep deepening. I want something better out of it than what we already have. What we have is great maybe, but I want it deeper. And you know what? That's what God wants. Marriage, you could go with, go with me if you will, Thomas. We're talking about matters of the heart. Today we're talking about intimacy matters. Intimacy was always God's intention. God always intended for there to be intimacy. God wanted to create a relationship that would resemble and be an example of the depth of relationship he desired with the human race. This relationship would exhibit the concepts of some things we talked about last week, but it would resemble, it had the concepts of closeness and love and fidelity. It had the idea of permanence and covenant in it because he's a covenant God. It would be a place of revelation, a place of purity, a place where there's no embellishment, no disguises, no concealment of any kind. It would be a place of adventure, a place of discovering the beauty and the courage of the one you've decided to love. I found in the teacher's commentary a segment that says, when God sought fellowship, he created man in his own image. But when this person that he created, had a, that, that, that God found he had a, a similar need for intimacy, God gave an even greater gift. He gave man woman, taking from the, the living flesh of man, is far more than a reflection of man's image. Woman taken from the living flesh of man shares fully in man's identity. In a testimony echoed by the New Testament, the Word of God lifts man and woman and places them side by side at the pinnacle of God's creation. There, listen to this next word. It's a huge, huge word. There together, 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 each shares fully as a fellow heir of the dominion God proclaims. Each of us a choice and a precious object of his love. But here's the problem. Just as sin corrupted the relationship between God and man, sin corrupted this idea of marriage that God had created that would symbolize the, 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 the relationship he wanted between himself and man. It's been corrupted. And so we got to get back to where it started. So if you will with me, turn to Genesis chapter 2. We'll start reading about verse 18 and then drop down to a few verses. I want you to hear something. If you're alone here today, God doesn't intend for you to be alone. And I may or may not be talking about marriage in your case. Some of you can be in this, in this room today, 
be surrounded with a lot of people. Be surrounded with uh, uh, groups of people. You may even go to dinner today and there be people all around you and at the same time feel alone. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, we find these words. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. The sad fact of the matter is a lot of us feel alone. We can be in marriage and feel alone. We can be in, in, in an environment of people of like faith, people of, 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 of similar attitudes and values. We can be in the same and still feel alone. And the Bible says right here, God says that is not good. And so we are talking about marriage today, but this concept does not stop at marriage. God desires us to grow at deeper levels in all of our relationships. God desires us to grow in our in a deep relationship with Him. He desires us to grow in a deeper relationship with our spouse. He desires us to grow in a deeper relationship with our children, with our grandchildren, with our friends, our family, our, 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 our community of faith. He desires that. And so today I want to encourage you. To, it's not good for you to be alone. God has a better plan. He says, I will make a helper for him who is just right for him. That's a good, that's a good thing. Many of you men should look at your wives today and tell them, you are just right for me. You may not be just right for everybody else. Everybody else may see, you know, not, not, not think of you as highly as I do, but you are just right for me. And prayerfully, that's reciprocated to you. Verse 21 says, the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took out of the man's, took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the, from the rib, and he brought her to the man. And at last the man exclaimed, This one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. And there's an exclamation point there in the text. Like he's just like, Wow! She will be called woman. Because she was taken from man. Verse 24 says, this explains why a man leaves his father and his mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united into one. Now, the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. Genesis 2, 18-25, there's some key phrases there. Two key phrases I want to look at is, it says, the two are united into one. And then the next phrase says, the man and the wife, they were both naked, but they felt no shame. In our relationships, we are fearful a lot of times of being truly together. Last week we talked about love, trust, and respect being pillars, foundational things in the, in the, the idea of marriage. Love, trust, and respect. And in order to go to deeper places, we have to trust more, and sometimes that's a problem. In order to go to deeper places, we have to love better. Sometimes that's a problem. In order to, to go to deeper places, we have to respect more. In order to go to deeper places, we must forgive more. We must allow more grace. We must give more mercy. In order to go to deeper places, we have to do that. This word naked and not ashamed, it, it means more than just having no clothes on. This word naked has the idea of lacking embellishment. You know how it is when you're dating? Don't you always don't you do this? You always put your best foot forward, right? Huh? Before, here's what happens. You pull up to the door. You grab the mint or the breast spray. Walk up to the door. Knock knock knock, right? And you're ready for action. Got the best cologne on, dressed to the hilt. And then two days after you get married, you lose the breath mints. You lose the spray. You forget where the cologne, the cologne resides, and you forgot how to use an iron. And you know I'm telling the truth. And so you embellished a little bit trying to portray something about who you were so, so you could make that catch, right? 
Well, in this place of marriage, God says, they were naked. I want no embellishment. I want you to be who you are, and I want you to, to let yourself be seen. <laughs> in all your glory, or maybe lack thereof. He says, I don't want this word. Um, naked means to be unadorned. Even it means it has an implication of being unarmed. Are you with me, Thomas? Follow me. We'll figure out where we're going when we get there. It means to be defenseless even. It means to be devoid of concealment or disguise. And so when God puts man and woman together for the first time, he makes it imperative that in this union, in this relationship, it's got to be more than just selling somebody something. You guys have made that car purchase before. Oh, yeah, 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 that's got that, yeah, yeah, yeah. You walked into the sales, the sales room, the showroom, and said, what well, does it do this? Just, oh, yeah, wait, it's got that covered. We can do that, that. And then you, something breaks down or goes wrong, and you found out that's not covered. Ever have that happen? Somebody embellished, right? In a marriage relationship, that should not happen. And so we need to, there are some other words, if you look at, for this word, there, there, there are words that are related to it. It means to be disclosed, to disclose something. A place of discovering, a place of reveal, something being revealed, something that's evident or manifest, something that's obvious. I like this next word, something that's palpable. Colorless, which means it's not tainted by anything. Uncolored, it's pure. It can be seen. It's transparent. It's, 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 it's open. So we can dress things up and not be what God intended for it to be. You know, when I say, when I use the words intimacy and we, we're talking about oneness and, and things like this, a man's mind goes right to one thing. If I would walk over to Chuck right now, Chuck, I'm not, I'm not going to infringe on your, man, your manhood or anything like that. If I, would go to, if I would go to Chuck right now and go, Chuck, how many dudes have you been intimate with this week? Chuck would be like, dude, I'm going to bust you in the mouth. And Chuck could, because he knows karate and several other things, don't you? Huh? You could just tear me up if he wanted to. I would he, he'd be like, let's fight, and let's fight right now. Okay? Because when I use the word intimate, to him it's just one thing. A man's idea of intimacy has revolved around one, three, revolved around three letters, S-E-X. Y'all know I'm telling the truth. It got really quiet in here. Am I telling the truth? And so when I, when even when I, when I read those words, they too became one, and they were naked and not ashamed. Some of you are like, dude, are we allowed to talk about that in church? Oh, hey, listen, we better talk about it because everybody else is, and we better give God's idea about what it's supposed to be about. We better let people know what God's intentions and God's plans are because nobody else is conveying that. Am I telling the truth? I find... Um, in a lot of cases, Christians have issues in and around that arena, in and around that idea. To talk about it makes us very uncomfortable. It's not, my, it's not one of my favorite top ten things to sit and talk about, really, honestly. Um, I'd rather talk about other stuff, like, you know, the Super Bowl or something. You know, I really don't want to talk about the snow anymore, so I'll find something else to talk about. <laughs> there's nothing dirty about sex let me say that right off the bat there's nothing dirty, dirty about when it's found within the confines of marriage listen to me I want to clear up some air for some people God intended sex to be pleasurable he intended it to be passionate he intended it to be pur purposeful but he also intended it to be monogamous They were one is an obvious illusion, the physical union between a man and a wife in intercourse. Sex was God's idea. But like all the other blessings, he put parameters on it. The intention was it would only be experienced between a husband and a wife within the bounds of marriage. Are you with me on that? And, he, he did, and he's the guy who came up with it. Because he's the guy who came up with it, and he's pure, and he's holy. It's an okay thing. I have found over my years of ministry that, 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 that couples often struggle with problems in their marriage because 
All they've been taught all their lives is how dirty, how nasty, how messy, how you don't talk about it. And then they find themselves in the confines of marriage, and they're still having those thoughts, and it's making problems for their marriage. Listen to me. I'm not going to get any details. This is as deep as we're going with this today, but listen to me. It is When it's found in the right place, it is a good, it is a great, it's an amazing thing, and it's a right thing. And it's necessary. Even Paul talks about it. We'll get to that in a minute. Song of Solomon, you will read these words. I'm going to read all of it because I don't want to embarrass all of you. If you want to know what God's idea about it is, you can look at the Song of Solomon. Verse, chapter 7, verse 1, he says, How beautiful are your sandaled feet, O queenly maiden. And then as you read the text, he climbs up her body. Literally. And he begins to describe a passionate, powerful, amazing moment where a husband and a wife come together. He says things like, you know, I don't get this one thing because he talks about her like neck being as beautiful as an ivory tower. I don't get that. My wife would probably slap me if I said something like that. Um, but the other parts you can get, he talks about all of her, he talks about her legs, her belly button. I mean, he talks about everything. And he gets to verse 5, he says, Your head is as majestic as Mount Carmel, and the sheen of your hair radiates royalty. The king is held captive by its tresses. Oh, how beautiful you are. How pleasing my love. How full of delights. Wow. You're slender like a palm tree. And he goes on to several other things there. Wow. And that's in the Bible. You ought to go read that today. Husbands, it's okay. Wives, it's okay. And he ends here at verse 9. He says this. I love this. May your kisses be as exciting as the best wine Flowing gently over the lips and the teeth. Wow. That's what we all want, don't we? When it comes to that part of our relationship. We want it to be sweet. We want it to be powerful. We want it to be passionate. We want it to be amazing. This is a level of intimacy we have to achieve in marriage. It's necessary. Because we're going to talk about all the rest of the levels of intimacy in, 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 that, that, that marriages and even friendships and stuff can achieve. It's not just confined to marriage, but it has to be found. These things have to be found in marriage. I can achieve a certain level of intimacy with Jim, even with Chuck. I'm still not. I'm not implying nothing, brothers, okay? Rod, Don, I can, we, even us as guys can achieve certain levels of intimacy. When you go through something with somebody, you, you, you achieve a certain level of intimacy. We'll talk about that. But I'll tell you, tell you something. This, is the, this level of intimacy is reserved for this union and this union alone. And if it's not right, it will mess things up. It will keep things frustrated. It will keep you at, at, at odds with one another. It's not good. It's not good that man should be alone. Praise the Lord Jesus. Pro you know what is amazing to me? God gives us the very first commandment. The very, the very, God is amazing. The very first purpose he hands man is this. Be fruitful and multiply. And you know what he attaches to it? This amazing event, this amazing act of sex helps us fulfill the very first commandment. Wow, God must love us a bunch because he attaches such blessing, such pleasure, such things to, 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 to fulfilling our purpose in the earth. Is that amazing? Isn't he, isn't he good to do something like that for us? He's good. That's awesome. I don't know. I, I was sitting thinking about that this week. And I thought, Lord, that's, that's crazy. The first thing that you do in, 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 in telling us what we should do as functioning human beings is be fruitful, multiply, and you attach one of the most amazing experiences any of us will ever go through physically on this planet to it. That is awesome. Wow. And he's so intense about it. In Proverbs 5, he says these words, drink water from your own well. Remember last week we talked about permanence. We talked about fidelity. 
Drink water from your own well. Share your love only with your wife. Why spill the water of your springs in the streets having sex with just anyone, question mark? Should you receive it for yourselves? Should you reserve it for yourselves? Ne you should reserve it for yourselves. Never share it with strangers. Let your wife be a blessing, a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your, your, your youth. She is a loving deer, a graceful doe. Listen to these words. Let her breast satisfy you always. May you always be captivated by her love. Why be captivated by son by an immoral woman? Dude, the Bible's intense. I just got stoned across the next words. Why be captivated by an immoral woman or fondle the breast of a promiscuous woman? For the Lord sees clearly what a man does, examining every path he takes. An evil man is held captive by his own sins. They are ropes that catch and hold him. He will die for lack of self-control. He will be lost because of his great foolishness. God says, listen, there's great satisfaction and blessing when you stay in the position of, of marriage and, and find your blessing and your hope and your desire and your fulfillment only in your wife, only in your husband, only in those places. He's committed to this, this, this thing. It only becomes tainted when we allow it to be experienced outside the covenant of marriage or used for purposes other than love and covenant. See, we talked last week. It, it, it becomes ugly, it becomes nasty, it becomes dirty when other things that are ungodly and unholy, and I'm not using religious terms, I'm using uh, terms of, of practicality. When it's done outside the confines of what God said, when there are other things allowed to penetrate into there and to, to, to be a part of it, 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 it's, it, it's horror. it becomes ugly, it becomes nasty. That's why pornography is such a big issue. That's why it taints. It makes things ugly. You know what I heard this week? Dude, last week I heard there's a denomination in, 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 our, in our country that's known for being like very conservative, very um, uh, holiness oriented. Some people in their, in their deal have brought up the idea of whether soft, soft porn is, 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 is a bad deal or, or, or not. And they're, dis they're discussing that at their leadership le level. And again, it's not like one of those mainline denominations where you think, you know, hey, they, they're kind of out to lunch anyway, and they're already letting out. I think these are, these are some very conservative, very holiness-oriented people. And I heard that, and I went, you have got, it just crushed my heart. They're going to mess some marriages and some people up if they keep on going down that path. They're going to destroy some families. It's scary. Remember, we talked last week that there's a difference between love and lust. Love is the giving of yourself at whatever expense for the benefit, for the, the, the gratification of another. Lust is taking from others for the gratification of yourself. And there's nothing more true than that being the case in a sexual context. It's got to be give, give, give. Not take, take, take. Husband, wives, if it's all about you, it ain't right. Am I allowed to say that? When it comes to that in particular, if it's all about what you need and what you want and what you, it's not, it's not godly. That's not holy. How do you know that, Aaron? Well, it's an essential level of intimacy, the marriage, the marriage, co the marriage covenant. Paul even talks about it. Listen to this. Now, regarding the question you've asked in your letter, 1 Corinthians 7.1, it is good to live a celibate life. Some of you go, yeah, right, whatever. But because there's so much sexual immorality, let each man should have his own wife, and each woman should have her own husbands. Now, listen to this next line he says here. The husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs and the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. The wife gives authority to her body to her husband. The husband gives authority over his body to his wife. Do not deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. Afterward, you should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. That's a hard thing to come by. But if we go back to our founding principles we talked about last week, this 
again, should be a growing facet of our life. We should be able to trust each other, love each other, things of that nature. And it should find its way into that, this, this part of our relationship. Hebrews 13.4 says this, give honor to marriage. Remain faithful to one another in marriage. One translation said, let the marriage bed be undefiled. In other words, God's saying, it is a holy and beautiful thing for a husband and wife to be together, but it has to be a husband and wife. Don't let anything else enter in there. Let nothing else of a, of a carnal, sinful, other than love and covenant nature enter in there, or it becomes nasty and ugly and messy. But when it's done in the context of how God planned it, it's a beautiful, amazing, wonderful, powerful thing. When kept holy, it's, it, 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 it's an amazing thing a couple can experience together and one of the greatest intimacy-building tools it, it, that, that there is. I want to tell you something, guys, a little bit about your, your women. A woman's security lies in her ability to draw everyday affection from you. Did I get any amens from the, women, the, the woman's section? Huh? If you just wait until it's, you know, that time to show any affection... You are misusing your wife. Can I say that? Is that okay? Let me say something else. Her nature is romantically inclined and security oriented. She likes for you to be romantic. I know it's a struggle for most of us. I get that. But she likes that. And one of the greatest ways to increase the, the, the level of intimacy in, 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 in your life between your husband, between your your wife and you, is to make sure she feels secure. And when you find the areas of insecurity, you try and, you try and take care of them. Women, I want to tell you something. Oh, actually, one other thing. Marriage to a woman is an adventure. That's why she reads all those books. Okay? Woman, a man finds his security in his ability to provide for his family and his ability to satisfy his wife sexually. That's true. A man becomes very insecure if either of those two things aren't going very well. Am I right, men? It's all right to say you can go like this. All right. A masculine, the masculine nature is very task-oriented, task-oriented, and visually oriented. That's why guys struggle with certain things women don't struggle with. And marriage to him is a challenge. Marriage to him is a challenge. He likes, the, he likes the challenge. I have a wife blushing over here. I'm trying not to right now. But I want to tell you something. There is a level of intimacy you should achieve, but that's not all there is to intimacy. Listen to me. That is not all there is. It needs to be there. It needs to be growing. It needs to be growing deeper. But if that's all men that you're thinking of, you are wrong. I'm still waiting for the women to go, Amen. Amen. Intimacy can and must be achieved on multiple levels if a marriage is going to thrive and flourish. The word intimate means this. It's intrinsic. It's essential. Belonging or characterizing one's deepest nature. It's marked by very close association, by very close contact and familiarity. It's marked by a warm friendship developed through long association, suggesting informal warmth or privacy. It's of a very private and personal nature. And so when, when we talk about, I heard, a, I heard a guy say the other day, I heard somebody say the other day, who said it? I heard some preacher talking the other day. And he said, he finds it very sad. Listen, listen to, think, we just talked about this being naked and not ashamed. Talk about where, where intimacy, should, intimacy should go. That, that I'm not spending half here to say this. That men have no problem with the physiques that they have, being naked in front of their wives, but yet won't pray with them. Wow. Sad, sad commentary. It should go to different levels. God's idea of oneness goes beyond just the physical oneness. His desire is that we achieve oneness, body, mind, emotion, spirit, and on a multitude of other levels. That's God's design. 
The description of her as a corresponding to him from Genesis chapter 2 means basically that, w- that what was said about him in Genesis 2-7 was also true of her. They both had the same nature. But what man lacked, because his aloneness was not good, she supplied. And what she lacked, he supplied. The culmination was one flesh. So you see that it's not just about sex. It's about the things we lack and the, ne- the, nece- the necessity of having each other to fulfill those roles, to fill in those gaps, to help us go places we can't get to by ourselves. It has the idea of the complete unity of man and woman in a marriage relationship. The implication is that marriage involves one male, one female becoming one flesh. Their nakedness suggests that they were at ease with one another without any fear, without any ex- of exploitation or, or for potential of evil. Such fellowship was shattered later at the fall and is retained only in a measure in a marriage when a couple begins to feel at ease with each other. Here the nakedness, though literal, also suggests sinlessness. He's saying, listen, it goes deeper than just the physical. It goes to the very core of the relationship. It goes to the very core of who we are as people. It goes very the very core of where our relationship is headed to. And you want to tell you something. You may have been married for, for two weeks. You may have not have been married at all at this point, so growing towards that. You may have been married for 50 years. There is always room for improvement in your relationship. And if you get tired and if you get stop pursuing it, it will become stale. It will become old. It will become messed up. And so this is an adventure for all of us, a challenge for all of us to keep growing and to keep going and to keep moving towards what God intended. We will find that if we seek out oneness at these other levels, the oneness of sex will only deepen and become better. Woman was created to be the perfect supplement to Adam's incompleteness, physically, intellectually, and socially. In man's need, woman's and woman's power to satisfy that need is laid the foundation for the divine institution of marriage. Three basic ingredients of marriage are present in Genesis 2. The father's consent, he thinks it's a great idea, he brought her to Adam. The woman's consent, she only came to her husband. And the man's consent, Adam received her as his bride. The intimacy of the union, the excitement of Adam upon viewing his bride is clearly indicated in the Hebrew text. Adam did not need to be instructed by divine revelation regarding the true nature of his bride. She is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. He thereby accepted her as his equal as one to be loved and cherished. The lives of a husband and wife are woven together in marriage. They become one flesh. They become completely one. The very very inner parts of them become grown together. The union is celebrated and reaffirmed in sexual intercourse. Did you get that? It's solidified. It's celebrated in sexual intercourse. That's That's what that's about. It's about celebrating the oneness that exists between you. Does that make sense? It's not about the act itself. It's about what it celebrates. The man and his wife were both naked and they were not ashamed. Wow. You know, we need to endeavor to get there. How do we get there? Intimacy grows under several factors. Intimacy grows as you dare be more greatly open with your spouse. Last week, I encouraged you as our, as our stopping points to share together. It was, like, it was like point number three. Share your fears. Share your hopes. Share your failures. Share your dreams. Share your, share your life. Share your, your thoughts. Share your feelings. Share all of that. And as you go down, and I know for some of that's hard. Some of us, it's hard to share what we feel, guys in particular. We're not real accustomed to expressing our emotions all the time. For women, it's more, more difficult than necessarily sometimes to, to express what you think intellectually about certain things, and you don't want to f- feel like you're a doofus or something. But we have to go there. We have to be willing to say, I feel weak in this area. Can I be honest with you? My wife and I just had that kind of discussion just last night, laying in bed together, talking. And one of us is drawn to the point of tears, expressing their heart. Just, this is who I am. I don't like me sometimes and just trying to process through some things. You need to have that. That needs to be an ongoing thing. And you don't want to say you have to be at the point of tears? No. But there has to be that old moment of conveyance, that moment of transference, that moment where, you know what, you just let it all hang out and you just express who you are and what you think and where you feel, what you feel. What hurts you and what bothers you about something that was said earlier this week or something like that. You, you have to go there. We learn, when we learn to be emotionally present to each other, you know what would have been very bad last night when one of us was expressing how deeply we felt about something, we were being very open, if one of us went, 
okay. Really, okay. Yeah. You've got to be emotionally present here, ladies and gentlemen. When your spouse begins to convey something, it's time for the TV or the radio or something else to get turned off. It's time for everything else to focus in. You've got to make yourself emotionally present. You have to develop a high degree of caring for each other's well-being and needs. In other words, it's got to become more about them than about you. And when you need to take a day off work to get things ironed out, then you've got to do that. Because it's more important. What's more important? The lack of funds or the lack of a spouse? You have to make that decision. You've got to be able to do in a climate of trust based on commitment to fidelity and permanence. Listen. Your spouse needs to know you are in this the whole way. And when you, when you make every effort and you give every example and you give every opportunity to let them know you are fidel, you, you, you always, where's the, where are the Marines in here? There's one back there. What's, what, what's, the, what's the, the, the motto of the Marines, Brownie? Semper Fidelis. What's that mean? Always faithful. We need some guys and some women in this place who will commit to be Marines and say, you know what, simplify. I'm always in this. I am always faithful. Every decision I make will be for, for the good of this relationship. Everything I do, I know the point in time. Where I can tell you exactly where Rich and I bonded together. Don't get weirded out on me, okay? Okay? I know exactly the moment in time where we started to become one person. We were not married yet. I remember it like it was yesterday. It was in October of 1994. She was having a really hard night that night and very emotional about some things. It was a, it was a clear, crisp night in October. We were standing out on the back deck of her, of her, her, her mom and stepdad's place, and she was very emotional. And I grabbed a hold of her by her shoulders, and I, I looked her in the face, and I said, Listen, I do not know where this relationship is going, but if it's going where I think it's going, listen to me. I commit to you today to always be here. I am removing right now today the idea of divorce. It is no longer a part of my vocabulary. We sat on her deck, and, we, and at that moment, that moment, October 1994, something happened. And we have tried at every moment. I, I told her, every decision I make from this point on will be for the good of you and for the benefit of this relationship. I promise. I will make every decision in, in, in line with that. Not about what I want, not about what I need, but what, what you need and what you want. And I'm telling you something amazing, miraculous happened that night. I will never forget it. The Big Dipper was right there. There was... You know, breath, you could see your breath, and it was frigid, and it was cold, and we would, and for a long time, she just stood there, and she bawled, and she cried, and we hugged each other, and I don't know what, you know, we just stood there out in the dark. And you know what else you need to know? You need to respect the fact that sometimes your spouse just likes to have some alone time, and not push the buttons to try and get them to say something or do something. Somebody, they just need that. I can always tell. Especially once you have kids, husbands, your wife needs some alone time. Absolutely. I can come in some days and know that Rachel's just like, dude, I am through. I'll be like, hey, babe, why don't you, I'll take care of the kids tonight. Why don't you go do something? Because we all want to live. And you might think that's funny, but that's a very real thing when she's a person making all the food at the house. And then you look over and she's not eating the same thing all the rest of you are eating. It may also have something to do with the fact she's trying to be very health conscious about what she's eating and what you want to eat is not very healthy. I have found that out to be true too. Once, we're going to talk about growing intimately. Listen. Once intimacy begins to be achieved on one level, depth begins to occur on other levels. It's, it's reciprocal. Once you start going down the road of, of intimacy, down, down one path of intimacy, it begins to help the other areas begin to pick up steam. Okay? So what's the key, the key point here? The key point is each time we take a step towards intimacy in any, at any level, in any arena, it helps the others out. Okay, guys, let me explain this to you. When you endeavor to, to, to achieve a new, new state of emotional intimacy, let me give you some incentive. It will help your sex life out. 
Am I telling the truth? It will. So here's the areas of potential intimacy. It's not just about sex. Growth and intimacy starts in, in several areas. It's, there, there's, an, there's, a, there's an arena of intimacy at, at the sexual level. There's an arena of intimacy at the emotional level. There's an arena of intimacy at the intellectual level, at the aesthetic level, at the creative level, at the re- recreational level, at the work level, at the crisis level. There's a level of intimacy that's created at, at, at an attitude of commitment, and there's one at a spiritual level. Spiritual being the highest grade of intimacy. Okay? Sexual intimacy is the experience of sharing and, and self-abandoning the emergence of two persons, expressed by that phrase, to become one flesh. Emotional intimacy is the foundation of all other forms of intimacy. It is the foundation. If you are going to grow in your marriage emotionally, you have to connect. You have to be connected. You have to grow in that connection or it's not going to happen. It is the foundation of all this. Intellectual intimacy is where you share ideas. I was thinking, you know, that would look really good over there, and I, th- you know, I think we should make these. You know what I found out? I don't know if the rest of you have figured this out. How many of you guys took FPU? Anybody take Financial Peace University? Did you guys follow through with the, with, with the, the things of sitting down as a family and working out, working out your budget? Have you done that yet? I want to tell you something. As little bit of a time as Rachel and I have spent actually sitting down and actually making that, that Dave Ramsey tells you to make that commitment of once a month to sit down and talk about your budget, it takes us 10 or 15 minutes. Something has happened in our relationship because we just take that 10 or 15 minutes, and intellectually, we sit down, look at our budget, decide what, what things we're going to tweak, what things we're going to change, what things we're going to do differently, what's working, what's not. Something deeper has happened in our lives. That's an intellectual intimacy thing. It's a conveying the world of ideas and thoughts, plans and programs. Aesthetic intimacy is the sharing of experiences, beauty, art. You know, guys, girls, you should find out what kind of things really your, your spouse likes to do, likes to experience it. Maybe it's, for some of you, it's, you know, the opera or something. Go, and you're like, dude, that is just like the wimpiest thing I ever heard in my life. If your wife digs it, man, it'll be good for you and for her. She needs to know that you will go through some things that, she, that you don't like just to be close to her. She will. It'll make all the difference in the world. How about girls? If your man is like, dude, the I even hate to say these words. The Bengals are taking on the Browns on Sunday. It would be one of the greatest days if you would just go with me to see that game. And you could go, oh, dude, please, I don't know. If you would make that stride, you don't know what that might unlock as far as the conversation driving to and from that place. The fact that your husband knows that, dude, I really don't care for that, I'm going to go through it anyway, might be something that will open up a level of him connecting to you and emotionally saying some things and opening up to you that may have never happened ever, 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 ever before. I'm just saying. Creative intimacy, sharing some things together, working on a garden, flipping a house, doing something like that that's just creative, doing something that gets, get, that, that gets you guys growing and, 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 you know, learning to do a musical instrument together, something like that. There was a couple of couples around Burl and Beth a few years ago, took dance lessons together. That's connecting on a level of creative intimacy. That's awesome. You guys have still reaped the benefit of that, I'll bet, over the course of the last few years, haven't you? Huh? Burl's trying not to blush. I'll leave him alone. And Burl can dance. I've seen him waltz a couple of times and stuff. Duke could just cut the rug. Recreational intimacy just means having, one thing couples forget to do is just date one another. They forget just to have fun and go do something. They get caught up with life and get caught up with kids and get caught up with stuff and, and bills and work. And they just forget to go have fun. Just go have fun. Something Patrick and Leah told me they felt like a kid or something at uh, praises, wasn't it? And the, kind of the idea of the concept was each of you submit ideas for a good date night. Not to be expensive, can be if you want them to, but and each month you commit to a date night, right? Is that right? And just randomly you reach into the box, pull out the date night. What are we doing this month? Hey, and here's the, here's a good thing about that, guys. It takes out the guesswork because that's her heart. That's what she wants to do to have fun. Women does the same thing for you. 
need to connect on a level of recreational intimacy. You know what my wife and I did when we first got, we first got married? It was horrible an idea because we were both bad at it, but we lived close to some tennis courts. We took up tennis. I saw the tennis rackets hanging, hanging in my shed. They haven't been out of the bags in like 12 years or something. They'll have them. But it was a good time for us. We were horrible. Oh, it was awful. It was bad. Work intimacy, just finding some goals to work on, some things. Maybe you should become, get involved in ministry here at the church. Maybe you should start working for like the American Heart Association or something like that and being a fundraiser, working on Relay for Life, or, and just do something where you work on some common goals there. You do something that has a common end to it. That you say, you know what, we're going to do this. We're going to accomplish this together. We work together. Maybe it's crisis. Crisis is one of the, the best things for creating a bond. You guys should know that by now. When you're in the middle of something, you go through some trash together, go through some junk together, things happen. And how you respond to that would increase or decrease the bond. Commitment intimacy, where you just say, you know what? I'm committed to you. I'm following through. And of course, spiritual intimacy is the, the of all. Again, what I said earlier about husbands needing to pray for their wives and work together through things. Nearness that develops through sharing the meaning, the meaning of life and the relationship to the universe and to God, worshiping and praying together, discussing spiritual issues, that is the level of, of growing together. So I'm going to ask you a question. We're going to wrap it up right here. How do you know if your marriage is in trouble? Would you like to know some danger signals that your marriage is in trouble? Anybody want to know that? That would be a good thing to know. Number one, if you're bored, that's a warning sign. It happens. doesn't mean your marriage is over, but it's one, of the, it's one of the elementary things that start. You just become bored. Bored with life. Bored with people. Bored with your husband. Bored with your wife. Bored with the conversation you have. Bored with the things that you do. Bored. When you hate to go home, none of these in and of themselves are completely bad deals. But when you start chaining several of them together, you got problems. If you're bored, if you hate to go home, if you have a lot of outside interests besides your home, besides your family, besides your wife, besides your kids, that's a bad sign. If you've got bowling night, softball night, uh, what else? Four-wheeler night, um, you know, whatever, you know, and, and like five or six nights a week you're out doing all sorts of other things, that's a, that's a bad sign. I think some of that is healthy. I think guys in particular need some sort of recreational value that helps them get through life. But if it's like night after night after night after night after night after night after night, that's a bad sign. Withholding expression. Some of us are wired not to be very expressive. I've learned with my wife that there are certain times I need to push the buttons and make her talk to me, and there are times I need to lay off. But if she withholds too long, or if I withhold too long, we got problems. Lack of communication. You need to come. These, these two, if you're having problems in those areas, I strongly, strongly encourage you two things. Either get involved with Todd and Savetta's home group, where they're starting the Love and Respect small group study starting tomorrow night at their house. The information's in the bulletin. Or, and or, both together, come to the, the, one, the, the video seminar the week of the 19th and 20th in March, the Love and Respect thing. Dr. Egriches and his wife will teach you how to communicate and how you're not communicating well and why you miss signals certain times and everything that isn't amazing. It's some of the best memories you've ever seen. So if you're struggling especially in number four, number five, you need to come and be a part of those. Straying thoughts or acts. When you begin to, like, you know, maybe the grass is greener over there. No, I'm going to tell you right now. I just got a phone call this week. Somebody in my family is having, dealing with that. And I did get a call from the person who's my member of my family. I got a call from, his, from their spouse. Crushed. Because they're considering leaving. Been married for I don't know how many years. Suddenly finds out that their spouse is been talking with somebody else at work, sending emails and text messages and things of that nature. From all outward appearances, it looks like a very solid family structure. Got two kids, whole nine yards, and you go, dude, what is going on? You know what I'm guessing? Probably any number of the one through five things were already going on, and the number six just came easy. Too much criticism. There is a passage of Scripture that talks about a wife resembling a dripping faucet. And I say that sort of in jest, but not really. Because if you find yourself being very critical of anything, everything your spouse does, you've got problems. They can do nothing right, there's something wrong there. 
When you avoid intimacy at whatever cost, you got problems. Let me say this to you. <clears throat> the, the best, all of us are wired for intimacy. All of us desire something greater. Jesus prayed this in John 17. He said, I want you to, I want, God, I want them to be one as you and I are one. God at, the, at, his, at his deepest level is a, is a being of intimacy, of oneness, of depth. And he prays that his church would be one. The, the, the significant model of his church is the marriage relationship. So if he desires that for his church, he desires that in the marriage relationship, and he is for you. The only way you can achieve intimacy where you find significance, where you find hope, where you find strength, is in the confines of a relationship with Jesus. And then eventually, because God realizes that it's not good for man or woman to be alone, he, he may, it, it talks about in 1 Corinthians there are some people who are gifted to be celibate. Wow, that's a big gift. Some people are just gifted to do that. A lot of us are not for what 1 Corinthians 7 described there where we read a little while ago. Because it's so easy for us to fall prey to sexual temptation and things of that nature. God is for you. He, he wants you to achieve depth in his relationship in life and in intimacy. You'll find that in him. He is for your marriage today. If you're sitting here today, you're like, man, our marriage is in trouble. We're having problems. God is for you. He has plans to help you. He has tools and, and, and applications and weapons and anointing and prayer and things that will help you get over those problems and build a marriage of strength and intimacy. Would you all stand with me, please? It's not over. It may not be everything you want it to be. Your life may not be everything you want it to be. Your marriage may not ever be everything you want it to be, but it's not over. God is for you. God is for marriage. The Bible says it's something to be honored. Marriage, the marriage is honorable in every, above every union, of every institution. If you're struggling today, I'm just feeling like you're accepted Detroit today just feeling like, man, I have no depth of relationship in me. I don't even know who Jesus is really well. Or you're struggling today because maybe your, 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 your relationships aren't what they need to be, aren't deep like you want them to be. To be. God wants to meet you there. Let's pray. If you have need in that area, surrender yourself and your life to God right here. Just by an act of saying, God, raising your hands and saying, God, here I am. Here's my house. Here's my family. Here's my home. I want things to be different. I want things to change. I want it to grow. I want it to thrive. I want my life to be different. I want to understand how intimately you want to be with me. God, how intimately you want me to grow in my home. Father, you see these husbands. You see wives. You see your children, Jesus, who long for something greater, something more significant, something deeper. Lord Jesus, I pray that today, God, they would, they would come to a place of maturity where they begin to apply everyday practical principles, God. But Lord Jesus, they would seek to find those levels of intimacy with their husband, with their wife, God, that it's not just about sex, it's not just about, uh, Lord, themselves, but it's about the need and the good and the benefit of the other person, God. And Lord Jesus, I pray, Father, that, God, you would give us a keen awareness. Lord, I pray for husbands to be keenly aware of the circumstances and situations around their wives. And God, be able to, to meet them where they are. I pray for wives to be keenly aware of the circumstances, situations around their husbands. And I pray, God, for oneness over them. God, body, mind, soul, spirit, God, emotionally. God, I pray, Father God, that those things would begin to transpire in their lives. I pray, Father God, that, 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 Lord Jesus, that there would be depth, God, at those levels. There would be, God, a change, God, in the, in the environment in their homes, that, God, the issues they've, they, they, they struggle with, even sexually, God, would begin to change. And the Lord Jesus, you would meet them where they are, God. You are for them. You desire their marriage to be fulfilling and satisfying and growing. And, 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 and God, I pray, Jesus, that today they would each experience that. God, I ask for your blessing. Lord, fill the homes with your power. Fill the houses, God, with your grace. Fill, God, the, the lives of each spouse God, with your greatness and your mercy. And let forgiveness reign supreme. And God, let spiritual 
underpinnings grow and grow and grow, Lord. God, today, transform us to the likeness and image of Christ. Bring us back to what you intended in Genesis chapter 2, Lord. That we are one. God, that we are naked and not ashamed, God. We are not disguised in any way, shape, or form, Father. We're open to you and we're open to one another, Lord. God, I pray, Jesus, your grace and your mercy and your power will be given. Lord, wherever there's been a wall built, God, I pray, God, that each spouse would do their part in tearing the bricks out of the wall. God, that intimacy would grow, that depth would come, Jesus. God, I thank you for doing that. I pray your blessing over them, God. If any of you would desire some extra prayer or interaction or anything like that, pray for specific things that are going on in your, in your life, going on in your, in your relationship with your husband or your wife or, or whatever, um, we'll hang around here. Burl and Beth, if you make yourself available to people. Brownie and Nancy, maybe even. Nathaniel and Megan. We're here for you. We'll pray with you and for you. If you don't know Jesus, we'd like to introduce you to him. God loves you. He wants you. He thinks you're the greatest thing in the world. He's for your family. He's for your home. Let him meet you where you are. Father, we bless you. If you have, if you need to have need in any way, I'll hang around here. They're over here. They're over there. The rest of you are free to go and grab your children and do whatever. Lord, we bless you and we thank you. God, go with these. Let your countenance shine upon them. Let your grace fill their home. God, do a great work amongst them, God, I pray in Jesus' name.